History 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the retro video games podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Fred Rojas, and recording live from uh, the other verse <laughs> is, uh, none other than Mr. Jam Elias. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Fred. Well, so, to be here. Oh, thanks, man. Well, we weren't supposed to do a show, and we're not doing a show. So to be clear, uh, I had we had some listener mail and some stuff like that. And by the way, my daughter may come join us. Uh, but we're going to be doing actually a rehash, but I will do a very uh, brief uh, Q&A show. I want to talk about a couple of things that are going on this week. Um, but yeah, um, so that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, I will be there in just a second. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> There we go. <laughs> oh, the joys of being a parent. Um, uh, come here, honey. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, Without further ado, I will uh, kick this off and say I did get sinus surgery. That was a lot of yep. fun. And um, and uh, I, I sound a little different because I'm kind of stuffed up. But all in all, I will, be, uh, I will be back and hopefully completely healthy for our 100th episode next week. So. Nice. But uh, anyway. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> Fred is undoubtedly distracted tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty crazy night here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't supposed to be on, so I tried to crack this in, and of course, it's all falling to shit. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I uh, just wanted to have a couple updates. Um, so next weekend or next week is our uh, 100th episode. We're going to be giving yeah. away things. Uh, we're going to have some digital prizes, whatnot. Uh, be sure to write in either through the website or through the voicemail, which is 803-816-1101. Or uh, come on the show or whatnot and uh, share us with you your memories of the last 99 episodes and, um, and the whatnot. But uh, we did get a couple of uh, emails from uh, Mr. Man with Good Taste at Yahoo.com, otherwise known as Andrew. So uh, let's see here. Oh, well, there you go. Um. <laughs> Um, and so uh, Andrew wrote in and he said, I'm writing about what the subject says. For I love my PS2. If it breaks, I will buy another one. But the problem I have is that the official controllers are not the most sturdy. And now they are out of print. Sure, one can find some, but there should be a better way. What can you recommend to me in terms of third-party PS2 controllers? Which ones are the best? Uh. <clears throat> so, Jim, you have much mm -hmm. of an experience with uh, third-party PS2 controllers? I do. Well, I, I do actually. I've got one. I might want to have one lying around here. It's pretty good. Hold, let me see. Um, there you go. Hold on. <laughs> let me, hold digging on. through, digging through. We're good. We're good. Uh, uh. I literally keep a literally keep a bin just by my TV here with stuff in it. Okay, I've got one here that's um. Oh god, it doesn't have a name on it. Typical. Oh, <laughs> Um, well, okay. Well, in that case, it doesn't matter. You can, for me anyway. I've I've had to buy third-party controls a lot, especially for like the original Xbox. Um, not so much the PS2 yet, mm -hmm. but that might. I'm sure that's going to change anyway. But you can go on eBay. There's a lot of like easy sort of Chinese 
pretty much replicas that are made. I mean, I know they're not the official controllers, but they do do the job, and they're pretty cheap off eBay as well. It's usually like the first thing you search for as well if you just put PS2 controllers. Um, at least that's where I got my kind of, um, you know, my alternative Xbox, uh, original Xbox. Um, I hate calling it the original Xbox because I used to call it the, the Xbox OG, One. <laughs> so, yeah. The OG yeah. Xbox. <laughs> but, that's where I get my kind of um, replacement controls from there. But there is one I've got right here that it's it's one that, at least in the UK anyway, I brought it from um, a store called Argos over here. So anyone in this country will know what that store is. But they were clearing out their old PS2 controllers. And there's a pretty decent third-party controller by them. But surprisingly enough, the one I've got right in front of me does not have a name on it. <laughs> so I can't say what company manufactured it. It does say on the back that it was made in China. So it probably was... <laughs> Yeah, so there's like that. they all were. Um, <laughs> there is oh, there is a really um. Log, do you have Logitech over there? We do have Logitech. Yeah. They they usually do quite good for Pi controls. So that's one I would recommend. I did use their controls before. Um, cool. When I well, um, they they do like a wireless version and a, a wired version. Although generally speaking, with the older consoles, I just go wired all the way. Yeah, um, I don't <laughs> like the Logitech wireless stuff. No, I've not had good experiences with wireless, so, um, at least with older consoles anyway. Yeah, wireless only got good when it got to sort of Wii 360 and PS3. So. Right. Um, um, how about yourself, though? Have you got any recommendations? Yeah, I've got a couple. First of all, I still think, and I know this is not the answer they were looking for, which is why it's not my true answer, I still think yeah. the best way to go about this is to get official Sony-licensed um, PS2 controllers. Uh, mm -hmm. They are a little more expensive, and they're hard to come by, especially depending on where you're writing from. But if you're writing from mainland Europe, um, Japan, and uh, U.S., it shouldn't be too, too hard. But you are going to pay through the nose, like 20 to 30 bucks for them. Um, believe it or not, sometimes if you live in U.S., you can go to Walmart and sometimes find like a whole bunch of them on clearance for 15 bucks yeah. a piece, and I try to buy them then. Um, but I do have some other suggestions for ones that I particularly like from the PS2 era. Um, believe it or not, Hyperkin, they're the guys who make the Retron 5. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, if you go to hyperkin.com, they sell a decent amount of third-party controllers. Um, they did a really good uh, series of PS2 uh, 15th anniversary controllers, like the six-button controllers. Oh. Uh, those aren't usually ideal for regular PS2 gaming, but those are really good. Um, I think Hyperkin only sells them for like 15 bucks a piece. And then even mm. cheaper for like five to 10 bucks, they do have true blue PS2 knockoffs. Now, the analog doesn't last as long and the D-pad is not as precise, but it's about the best you're going to get and at five to 10 bucks a piece, really shipped anywhere. Um, it's mm. a pretty good option. I would tell you um, Mad Cats I'd probably stay away from. They've done okay this generation, yeah. like the last generation that just passed, PS3, 360. And uh, I'm guessing they'll do okay now. But uh, way back then in the PS2 era, I didn't really care for them much. Um, I'd also tell you to probably stray away from Pelican. Pelican does okay, but they're not mm. great. Um, and then the last option, <clears throat> which you may or may not be interested in, is there are adapters available online. I think they're about 10 bucks. They'll let you take USB PC controllers, of which there are lots of really good ones, and utilize them as... Uh, as PS2 controllers. They've got a USB in and then a PS2 out. Um, oh, and actually, I got one other one, which is if you got any leftover, especially DualShock 1s lying around, plug those yep. in. Nine times out of ten, those also work on the PS2 as a PS2 controller. Not always, but sometimes. Not always. There's some games yeah. that are not, because I had that problem with a few of the game clubs that we did. So they're not yes. compatible with every PS2 game. No, it's, it's kind of 50-50, like... but, mm. but it's an option. 
<laughs> it's good. I, I use. I can play. Um, funny enough, I'm Shadow of Rome. I'm playing with a PS One DualShock that works with there that. There you go. So, yeah. so that. You can also apparently win Evo with one. So. Uh, <laughs> really? So. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of our suggestions for PS2 controllers. Uh, next up, he said about the so-called Redbook audio. Now, this I knew somebody was going to call me out on eventually because I'm very loose-lipped with uh, red and, 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 and yellow book and all the different audio types. Now, we did go into it in the compact disc episode uh, pretty specifically, um, but that doesn't mean that I uh, did great uh, with it uh, um, right off the bat. And, uh, and uh, so he says, uh, this is not the format for PS1 games, and let me explain why. Red book audio or compact disc digital audio is a stream of sound measured time instead of measured in time instead of size. It's a 16-bit 44.100 hertz uncompressed stereo sound stream, and a CD can only hold eight minutes, 80 minutes of it. A regular CD-ROM can hold about 600 to 700 megabytes. A 45-minute long album of music encoded in WAVE is only about 450 megabytes. CDDA takes up even more space. So do you see now why audio streams on PlayStation games are not Redbook audio? If it is a stream and not something like MIDI, it's an STR or XA sound format, which is compressed and only 37.800 hertz. And now you know. So basically yeah, yeah. what he's saying is any way you dice it, whether they were MP3 tracks, wave audio, whatnot, they're not true Redbook audio. They are just ripped tracks. Now I'm betting though... That we may have seen, and this is probably where I got caught up, true Redbook audio was probably, probably, I'd have to go do some research and I'll report in next week, um, mm -hmm. on Sega CD format and 3DO and things like that. Those possibly could have been, but you have to understand that unlike PS1, those tracks are extremely short and are just repeated over and over and over again in like endless loops of like two minutes. So that's probably why. Um, Anyway, he says, P.S. Spyro 1 has eight unique tracks in the European release. There is no way to get those tracks off a of U.S., especially a copy purchased off of PSN. That is correct. Also, if you're planning to hunt down a PAL copy, you should rather use this link here. Um, so anyway, it was just uh, where you can find some, uh, some soundtrack stuff. But I do thank him for mentioning that. I have completed Spyro 1, which... Uh, <laughs> Which got interesting near the end. It was a little bit of a slog getting to the 50 Dragons just because, like, I was ready to be done and I just had to, like, wrap it up and yeah. then go to the final area. But uh, that game, again, is kind of a delightful, uh, low-tension version of Mario 64. And that's kind of where I'll leave it before we talk about it. I thought that was a great description on um, B-Team for, yeah. for the game. Yeah, so it's uh, but it's a, it's a really good game. The camera gets in the way, but I kind of like what the PSP does right now where you use the analog nub to control mm. the camera. I thought that was kind of a good solution so to speak so um also he had a second email <laughs> he said hello me again Excellent. bothering you with extensive feedback nice job on the latest episode i see taking notes has become your new good habit ha 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 however <laughs> i just wanted to clear up one thing about the quiet mountain 2 game uh i'm guessing that's uh, silent hill 2 uh, when somebody is wrong on the internet, I just have to annoy them with corrections. Anyway, you mentioned <laughs> the events in Silent Hill 2 could may very well be entirely in James' head, which was the exact reaction the developers wanted to create in the player. Doubt and confusion. However, that still does not mean that the events of the game are up for interpretation after you've beaten it time and time again. Long story short, the area of Silent Hill contains 
an ancient power that can give your deepest dreams and thoughts a physical shape that is supported by the developers themselves, the extra notes you find at the end of the game, the rebirth ending, and of course, Silent Hill 1. In other words, there is canon for the explanation of the events uh, in the games 1 to 3. If anyone wants to know more, just re uh, just watch the real Silent Hill experience. It's a huge video project created by fans the way of information given in the games oh, yeah. themselves, as well as the creators and interviews and commentaries. The work is done, uh, done on it is really impressive. And well worth watching for anyone who likes Silent Hill. One thing to add: the room started off as a spin-off game, placed in the same Konami or same universe, and it was made by the same developers, minus a few members who left Konami. And another thing: please do not credit <laughs> Konami with these games. They did not make them. They did not Aye. write them. The developers were a team of individual members known as Team Silent, disbanded after 2004. Uh, that's true. The only reason yep. I think I said it was I thought Team Silent was like. Like first party or second party for Konami? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, when you start getting into publisher developer relationships, especially ongoing publisher developer relationships, it can get a little slippery. And there wasn't a whole lot of documentation. Although in the Silent Hill series, I'm, you know, open to make an exception to that. And I did watch the real Silent Hill experience, and it was quite fascinating, especially when you're on Vicodin at two in the morning trying to sleep in sweats. Um, I need to watch it. that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it was pretty good. He also said, P.S. Reminding the listeners, I believe I told you already that the creator and writer of the original Silent Hill recently made Gravity Rush. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, you can definitely see the out-of-the-box thinking. So I wanted to uh, thank Andrew and, uh, and, uh, and things like that. I also wanted to mention I did get my hands on the uh, – I did order the um, – uh, the uh, what's it called? The, the Game Sh Boy flashcard. Oh, oh yeah, they got my hands on yeah. the EverDrive Game Boy. Yeah, Sweet. Crick is who is the guy in Germany who actually makes these. Um, set me up. Uh, I think he's got a limited amount in stock, but he set me up. He didn't give me a special price or anything. I paid the normal price. It's eighty-eight bucks. If you go to shop.retrogate.com, you can get his main ones, um, and he does ship worldwide except for mainland Germany. I think there's some legal reasons why, but anyone can get it. And it you have to wait a while, but it takes like I think he does five bucks for shipping, so it's a good hundred dollar option if you're interested. So I'll be mm -hmm. getting mine and taking a look at it, and finally right the wrong of the Mortal Kombat video. <laughs> I did want to point out also on his website, I saw something awesome. He creates Famicom to NES adapters. So it allows you to plug any Famicom game into an NES. And he actually makes it in such a way that you could plug the Famicom game. You'd have to disassemble the Famicom game, but you can plug the Famicom chip into the Famicom to NES adapter, then unscrew any NES game and put it in there. And that's how you can insert it into the drive because it's a little hard with the side loading that we have on the traditional nes consoles here top loading is a lot easier for stuff like that for those adapters mm. so something to think about it 25 bucks it's a lot easier than the way i had to go find mine and then i never use it anymore but uh anyway <laughs> <laughs> so watch for those in the upcoming things it could be up to a month before i get my hands on the cart though so yeah um oh well but anyway anything else you wanted to add for this week jam before we cut into the previous uh, episode? Uh, yeah, Shadow, Shadow of Rome is long, man. <laughs> yes, I actually... Uh, and I found out Chapter 4 is just as long. I actually just got through um, like three-fourths of Chapter 3, I think, and I'm clocking yeah. in at about 18 hours. Um, and, uh, and there is more. And I found out that Chapter 4 is, if not the longest, one of the longest chapters. It's not the chapters, longest one, so that's what I'm finding. This is going to so, be a slog. I've just done like... 
in it were in chapter four. I did like a bit, a few arena matches and a few of the stealth bits again, and I was just like, wasn't this supposed to be the show? Just short to prepare one? you for the end, <laughs> it is a boss rush of four or five bosses, just so you know. <laughs> oh, great. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, and I just want to tell people my surgery went off without a hitch. I'll be back yep. next week. But since I'm all hopped up and trying to maintain a house, I'm going to let you guys go. But mm -hmm. the uh, episode I have selected is going to be from it's called Welcome to the Video Zone. I've skipped a little bit ahead, um, but it's about an hour and 45 minutes. So it'll end right about on time. It's me and trees talking about old TV shows and cartoons based off of video games. So I think without further ado, we're going to get that going. And until next week, we bid you boys and girls adieu. Take care.